may be a reflection of the peace that you have and the peace that you've brought into our lives. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church family, for being here today. Um, what a beautiful march that we always are able to share as we make our way toward um, Christmas morning. And I'm so thankful today that, that we get to turn our hearts toward peace. Thank you to Jeff and Tiffany for lighting our peace candle today. And then what, what an amazing privilege it was for me. Um, much love to the McCary family and getting to baptize Linda on this day. And uh, she should be arriving here with us soon. Church family, I heard a funny story about a fancy New York City lawyer who was out in West Texas on a dove hunt. And he shot a dove, and it fell across the fence into the neighbor rancher's land. And as that lawyer started to climb the fence to retrieve his dove, the, la the rancher walked up, and he said, you can't go into my field, that's trespassing. And, and, the, and the fancy New York City lawyer said, hey, I'm a lawyer, and that dove is my property. If you don't let me get my dove, I'm going to sue you for everything you've got. And the rancher said, hey, buddy, there's no need for any of that. Down here, we settle things a little bit differently. We, we just simply use the three-kick rule. It's called the Texas three-kick rule. And the lawyer said, well, what's that? He said, well, it's easy to understand. I kick you three times, and then you kick me three times, and then we keep on trading kicks until somebody finally gives up. And the lawyer thought, well, hey, I'm, I'm younger and faster and stronger than this old hayseed, so I guess I'll go ahead and try that. And so he said he would be a part. So the rancher rears back, and he kicks the lawyer in the shin with his sharp-toed cowboy boot, and he falls to the ground, right? Uh, as he's falling to the ground, he kicks him across the midsection, knocking the air out of him, and then he rears back a third time, kicks the other leg, and knocks his leg out from under him, and he goes to the ground in a heap. And after a few moments, that lawyer there um, stood to his feet. He dusted himself off, right? And he says this. He says, and now, old man, I'm going to show you how we kick in New York City. And the rancher smiled and said, oh, there's no need. I give up. Go ahead and go get your dove. <laughs> and the rancher walks off, right? Folks, after two years of pandemic, after months of frustration, some of us, some of you may want to give up. Um, the truth is, others in this place may just want to go kick someone, right? But I, I want to ask you today, don't give up, don't start kicking. God's going to bring us through every single bit of this. Somebody say amen. Uh, this morning, our focal word is peace. And the setting today, once again, just like it was last Sunday, is the upper room. It's interesting that we're literally back in the same passage that we were last Sunday. Last Sunday, we talked about love, and today... We're talking about peace. And this setting is so appropriate because the disciples were afraid. The disciples were unsettled. Jesus had just told them he was about to go away, and, and they could not follow him, and their hearts were confused. They were unsettled. They were troubled. They needed peace. And today, it's true that you and I need peace too. We need peace of mind. We need peace in our hearts. And that's why Christ's words are so powerful for us this morning. I want you to please take your Bibles with me. And let's go to John's Gospel, chapter 14. Go ahead and stand, if you would, as, as we honor the reading of God's Word today. John, chapter 14, verses 27 through 31. I have not 
said this in a while, but I want to say it today, that um, we always put the words to the Scripture on the screen, and many of us enjoy that, but, but for me, there's something really valuable about taking God's Word in our hand. And if you don't have a Bible today, please reach into the pew pocket in front of you, and if you say, I don't even have a Bible at home, Pastor, well, that Bible is now yours. You take it home. That's our gift to you. We want you to have a, cop have a copy of God's Word. And let's turn to John 14, beginning in verse 27. These powerful words in the midst of turmoil, Christ said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I had told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. And then he said, come now, let us leave. Today, through Christ's words, my prayer is that he would bring me peace and you peace and that he would surround our church with his amazing heavenly peace. Let's be seated. So Jesus and his disciples leave the upper room. The truth is they didn't just leave the upper room, they left the city and they walked down some steps that many of us have seen, many of us have walked on that passed just south of the Temple Mount. And by now, as they make their way down those steps, it's dark, and they were passing through several vineyards on that steep hillside. Their minds were racing, their hearts were confused. One disciple is destined to betray, and arrest is right around the corner, yet Jesus has just offered and promised to them peace in the midst of all of this mess. This morning, I want us to identify with that. I want us to identify with the mess that sometimes life can be. I want us to identify with turmoil. I want us to connect to pain. I want us to find a connection to confusion. And then in the midst of all that we're feeling, I want us then to grab hold of the promise of peace that Jesus offers. I want us to allow his peace to replace our fear for his peace to replace our frustration. Jesus said that this peace is his peace. It's not a peace that the world offers. And, and you may say, Pastor, what's the difference? Well, there's a huge difference, right? The world says peace is the absence of conflict, but Jesus said peace is God's gift of serenity in the midst of that conflict. It's his gift of serenity in the midst of all of those problems. And I think this whole conversation is interesting because the world really doesn't understand peace. Uh, people talk about peace. People talk about world peace. And that's a noble goal. It's always a good answer in a beauty contest, right? But according to an article in the New York Times, out of almost 4,000 years of recorded history, there have only been about 200 years of peace. And those peace, most experts say, those years, most experts say, they're just pauses for armies to reload. So it really causes us to ask, 
is it even possible to have true inner peace? I found a quote where a woman wrote this. She said, my therapist told me the way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what I start. So today, I finished two bags of chips and a chocolate cake, and I already feel better, right? Uh, The world would say that you'll have peace, right, when you completely pass through crisis. But the good news is that you can have the peace that Jesus offers. Hear me, you can have it right now. Jesus offers peace in the midst of crisis. So today, here's what I want us to do. I want to talk together about three ways that you personally can claim this powerful promise of peace that only Jesus Christ can give. Here's the first way. First of all, know that God is there. He sees what you're facing. Simply know that God is there. God knows what you're facing even today. And He promises, right, to be with us. Psalm 139 tells us that God knows everything about us. He knows when we sit down, when we stand up. He knows our thoughts from afar before we even speak a word. He knows what it is. So if you're needing peace, God knows it and He's offering it to you. The famous um, woman from history, Corey Ten Boom, she survived a Nazi concentration camp. She wrote this, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. The Apostle Paul said it this way, don't worry about anything, he wrote. And he wrote these words while chained up in a, in a prison, right? He said, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So when you find yourself anxious and and scared, pray and claim God's serenity. Now, serenity is an interesting word, isn't it? In our society, we most often hear it in what's now called the serenity prayer. Are you familiar with the serenity prayer? It was a famous prayer written by the American theologian Reinhold Niebuhr. It's It's most well-known now because people pray it in a 12-step program. And here it simply is. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's a great prayer. It's a prayer that we ought to pray all the time. God knows what you're facing. He sees it all. And there's another great word that we don't use much anymore. It's a word that so describes God's character that our founding fathers here in the United States, they often use this word for God in the founding documents. They just capitalized the word and substituted it for God. You know what the word is? It's the word providence. Such a powerful word that the Baptist preacher Roger Williams used it to name a city that's now the capital of our smallest state, the word providence. Break the word down with me for a moment. Two parts to the word providence, the the prefix pro, which means ahead, and then the Latin base, videre, which means to see, ahead to see. When used as a title of God, it means that God not only sees what's happening to you right now, no friend, He sees what's ahead. So please know that God is there. He sees what you're facing. If we want to experience peace and have peace and know peace in the midst of crisis, know that God is there. 
He sees what you're facing. The second way, not only to know that God is there, but then to know that God is aware. He knows what you're fearing. I've seen studies that show stress levels have increased during the pandemic. Raise your hand if you say, Pastor, that's me. My stress level has gone up during this whole thing. (laughs) There's a rise in suicides all around the world. People have had trouble sleeping. But you know the truth is people had trouble with insomnia before the pandemic even showed up. Many in this room, you would say, Pastor, I, I have trouble sleeping at night. Statistics tell us that over 70 million Americans suffer from some sort of insomnia. Women are more likely than men to struggle with sleep deficit, according to the experts. I heard one lady explain it this way. She said that's because there's so much going on, right, in our heads, even more, much more than a man's brain ever thinks about, right? Now, I'm not going to touch that at all. But they've done the research. A woman's brain is a conglomeration of interconnected circuits that are always firing. A man's brain, they say, is like boxes. There's a a work box and a family box and a hobby box, and, and then there's a box, they actually say this, a box that's empty. And that's why when a wife asks her husband, what are you thinking, and he says nothing, she'll say it's impossible to be thinking nothing. But lady, that's right, there's an empty box and your man hangs out there, right? Someone said the human brain is an amazing instrument. It starts working the moment you're born. It doesn't stop until you stand up in front of a crowd of people to speak, right? (laughs) Actually, your brain never stops. And that's one of the reasons why people have trouble sleeping at night. Their brain just keeps on going and going and working and working and bringing up all of these scenarios and ideas. And I wish, you do too, that we could switch our brains off, but we can't. You, you can't switch off your brain, but you can change the channel, right? So here's what I want to ask you to do. Change the channel to channel 4 and channel 26. Pastor, what's that? Well, that's Psalm 4 and Isaiah 26. Let me share them with you. Psalm 4 says, I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. Isaiah 26 says, You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it's trusting in you. Trust in the Lord forever, because in the Lord, the Lord Himself, He is an everlasting rock. Years ago, I was talking to a widow in my church. She had lost her husband, and she said she had had trouble sleeping ever since he had passed. And then she told me, she said, Brother Danny, I I then memorized the 23rd Psalm. And she said, I would start reciting it with all the personal pronouns emphasized. And she said, I would say it out loud, even in my bed while my head was on the pillow. And she said, I would do it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And then she said she would often fall asleep before she got to the ending that that said this, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know if you have trouble sleeping, but you may try Psalm 23 just like she did. God is there. God is aware. And that will help us have peace. God is there. God is aware. Let's 
go to the last one. Know that God cares. God cares. He knows how you're feeling. One of my favorite of all time stories of Jesus was when he and the disciples were on the storm, were in the storm on the Sea of Galilee. And you remember the story, the disciples panicked. They panicked and they shouted to Jesus, don't you even care if we drown? You remember that? And I'm okay with that because that's an honest question. And I think if we were honest, we might admit that we wanted to ask God the same thing. God, I'm hurting. Don't you care? God, I've lost my job. Don't you even care? God, I've got cancer. Don't you care? God, I feel all alone. Don't you even care? I just want to say simply today, He does care. He cares for you. He cares for us. And when you know that God cares for you, you can be in the perfect eye of the storm while everything, right, rages around you. Well, how much does God care for me? We ought to listen to Isaiah 49 because it gives us the answer. Isaiah 49 says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forget, God says, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I love what the great British pastor, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, had to say about this. And I quote, he said, God says, I have engraved you. He didn't say your name. The name is there, but that's not all. God says, I have engraved your person. I've engraved your image. I've engraved your circumstance. I've engraved your sin. I've engraved your temptation. I've engraved your, temp your weaknesses. I've engraved your wants, your works, everything about you, all that concerns you. I put all of this together right here. Will you ever say again that your God has forsaken you when he has engraved you on his palms? Church, we can't forget the setting of our scripture today. This is the last night before the crucifixion. Jesus was continuing to teach the disciples as they were walking down towards that famous garden of Gethsemane. But it's so interesting when you note the very last words that Jesus said to them before he started praying in John 17. Go to the very last words of John chapter 16 and let's read these together. When you know the setting and you know the circumstance and you know how it started before they left the upper room and now you arrive here to this final moment before Jesus begins praying, look at what he said. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that you may have, say it together, peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. God is there, God is aware, and God deeply cares. Life is a series of battles. Do you have peace? Life is full of heartache. Do you have peace? 
life is well known for uncertainty, do you have peace? Augustine said our souls are restless until they find their peace and rest in Thee, O God. Church, today let's grab hold of the promise of peace that Christ is offering. And let's allow His peace to replace our fear and our 